Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, I bought a, a Lego cop shop. Really? So, yeah, I'm well into Lego and um, I, was, I wasn't sure if I was going to get it, but then it was going out of production, I guess you'd call it. So, and I got it because it's a really good set. It's got loads of hidden stuff and it's next to a donut shop. Because obviously, <laughs> and so it's got a little donut shop as part of the set, and also a newsstand. And the newsstand has a newspaper saying, uh, "Donut thief still hungry." What it begs the question: Why does a town where the front page news uh, equates donut theft need such a huge police station? Maybe the calls coming from inside the cop shop, Alice. Well, it is in fact coming from inside the very newsstand oh. that is, yeah. So you take the roof off the newsstand, there's a stack of donuts in there. And then he, he lives in the flat, but the newsstandsman lives in the flat above the donut shop. And he has cut a hole in the floor under his bed. This is all true. And he's got a little fishing line that he yoinks donuts with. Uh, listeners, I'm I'm sorry to inform you by unanimous decision. We're now a Lego Law podcast, and I'm cool with that. To this season two, episode 32 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, which is that of Alice Bell. And I'm joined this week by James Archer. Hello. Hello, James. And once again by Goblin Justice. Oh, no, I'm still Goblin Justice. <laughs> Actually, that's fair. You know, it's not just for Christmas, is it? <laughs> yeah. No, Goblin Justice is all year round. Justice never dies. That's my name from now on on the. Um, I'm never gonna, never gonna refill in that box. There we go. It's like you know how um, all the members of BTS have got like about nine mad alternate names, mm-hmm. like Massive Tuna or like Captain Hope. Like that's that's me now. I'm yeah. Goblin Justice or or, or G G Just, I guess. G Just or uh, I guess Gob J. Gob J is um, good, actually. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. So there you are. Give us the G-juice. <laughs> the um, G-juice. God, okay. Well, that means goblin justice will be applied to many situations in that case. Uh, how are you? You weren't here last week because you were spring cleaning. Yeah, I've had a massive spring clean. Um, I've yeah, actually like done a proper deep clean of my office. Uh, there were so many fragments of orcs against the skirting board. 
Um, <laughs> Mixed with like aquarium sand, it's like it's a very weird sort of grime, uh, but it's cleaned up now. Um, <laughs> I've been enjoying, yeah, getting out more. I went to work at Dudley Zoo the other day. Not, not. I haven't got a job at Dudley Zoo now. I just took my laptop and uh, sat because it's completely empty on a weekday. So I went and sat uh, by the orangutans and there was one just looking over my shoulder as I worked on my draft, just soaking in all of that MDA'd IP. <laughs> Speaking Lovely. of orc fragments, we got a nice email from uh, Asher, fake last name, who uh, wrote in to say, I just, uh, wanted to say I've really enjoyed the podcast. It really is the only gaming podcast I need. Thank you. Um, uh, and they liked the American McGee's Alice Wonderland episode where we went in on American McGee and I have weirdly now started going YouTube ads for his weird plushies I don't know if <laughs> this isn't Asher didn't write this in I am now me personally of getting advertised his weird rabbit plushies uh, and Asher wanted to pass on a YouTube short slash channel uh, to Nate it is uh, <laughs> it's it, very good it's, I didn't want to think it was very good but just describe it to the listener and I will put the, sh- the link in the show notes so it's um it's short form Warhammer forty K law narrated by an extremely like well accomplished AI recreation of David Attenborough's voice, which in any other situation I would consider basically an act of fucking sacrilege. But <laughs> he's talking about orcs and it's very good. <laughs> so uh, you I know. S- thank you for that. I saw a really good AI thing. Uh, that was an AI toad from Super Mario Voice uh, doing the song, you know, Daddy Gasolina. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh. It's it really good. I hate it when there's good AI stuff. It's like if Mitch McConnell suddenly pulled off 10 minutes of perfect break dancing, you'd have to applaud it. <laughs> to, to combine those two channels, I've also been enjoying um, someone's done a cover of I'm Still Standing by Alton John uh, using the Dawn of War One Space Marine voice. <laughs> <laughs> that does actually sound very good. Oh, lovely. Well, I'll link all of those in the show notes today, but we're not going to talk about any of that. Um, this week, Goblin Justice will be applied to always online video games and their launches. Um, because... Steal all of their coins. It feels like... Goblin Justice is going to be quite a one note. <laughs> I'm gonna look. I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna work on it. This is this is a bit that grows very slowly, like a coral. This this past week, I guess last week, uh, as we record this, Payday Three launched and uh, it shat the bed, as I eloquently put it to James, because it's always online and even. If you want to play a solo match with bots or just with, you know, friends, um, you have to connect to their servers and it's been bad. People were reporting queuing for, you know, over an hour to just play a solo match with some bots. Not great. Hasn't been great. So just to take Uh, half a step back, this is the game or the franchise based entirely on the aesthetic of the bank robbery at the beginning of the second Christopher Nolan Batman movie, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, James, you played a lot. Uh, played a lot of Payday too, didn't you? Do you want to? <laughs> I mean, there's no need for a beans metaphor, really. But do you want to explain <laughs> to Nate what Destru- Payday is? Yes, it's like it's like a 
bank robbery sim essentially um only it normally descends into massive shootouts where you slaughter <laughs> 200 policemen um is so yeah, it one of these stealth is optional games? <laughs> very, very much, yes. I think there's like okay. a, I think I think they've made like a couple of heists where you kind of have to stealth it, or the or the resulting fight is just like way too hard. But yeah, it's generally it, it, it it's almost like a bit of a left for dead like shooter type, you know, co op for against everyone. Okay, and in terms of like you know the the dependable outbreak of violence, then it sounds like it's about. A seven on a scale of one to ten. If one was Amnesia: Dark Descent and ten was Serious Sam Two, yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Okay, yeah, pretty and so you're scale. you're in a team of of four, and you you know you 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 shoot a lot of police, but your job is to get as many bags of loot out as you Ooh. can of yeah. of whatever thing you are robbing, basically. Do you waddle you slower eat- when you've got loot? You do, and it, bit, and, yeah, it, you, and it shifts you, and it shifts your view diagonally slightly, so you get like a yeah, you list a, a, a Dutch, you get a Dutch angle as you're sitting the loot. Oh yeah, no! Now I'm excited for Payday. So what went wrong? <laughs> well, Payday Two came out ten years ago. It's been ten years since the Payday. Uh, earlier this year, someone else tried to fill the gap with Crime Boss Rocky City, which I believe we talked about before, which was hilarious uh, and quite bad, and tried to. Make up for well, I, I was gonna say tried to make up for being a bad video game by paying a lot of ninety stars to read lines terribly. But I think they spaffed so much money on getting Chuck Norris to say like, "What's his jam?" Uh, <laughs> when to- when talking about Vanilla Ice, that they didn't have enough money left to make a better game. But now Payday 3 is out, and it's sort of been made by the people that made Payday 2, but there's a, a slightly weird kind of treasure map of companies owning each other and then going... It's fine. It's basically the same people. Yes. Yeah. Legally speaking. Um, and it launched last week, and we've written a follow-up news story, or Graham did, saying that it is a persuasive argument to not make your game always online because it's servers... We're absolutely fucked. I've just thought of a new model of journalism. What? C to C journalism, which is just news stories written as emails to random individuals who are then forced to to write their own news story and email it to another randomly selected uh, individual from a big list that everyone agrees to be on. And if you refuse to write the news post, you're haunted by a ghost. You're fired... <laughs> from, fired from the email list or fired from your real job <laughs> you die in real life <laughs> oh my god yeah no it's a terrible model of journalism forget about it uh, James why do servers always crash on launch Ooh. hardware man tell Ooh. me this this is a tough one this, that, that's not quite in my, my hardware wheelhouse uh, Okay. my, my beam my storage warehouse uh often it's just because it's like a lack of servers um i i I believe the norm is to have like racks and racks and racks of the things um and often it's just a case of like underestimating demand Mm. um and yeah the the resulting kind of like pile on just fries the whole system uh actually I, i i can't remember where the original was but i've definitely seen a clip of a 
a YouTuber interviewing Ice-T, who appears in Payday 3. And yeah. Ice and Ice-T also expressed disappointment at the, uh, <laughs> the fragility of Starbreeze's server infrastructure. That's it was a, that's, quite fragile. That's, that's the worst thing, isn't it? When you feel like you've let down Ice-T. <laughs> yeah. When it no gets one to ever that, wants yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's sort of like how they say that the national grid prepares for a power power surge in, you know, half time in football matches because everyone gets out to make a cup of tea at once. Oh, yeah, that's true. Thing. Yeah. They didn't prepare for the amount of people that would try to play Payday 3 at launch. I never thought um, I'd say this, but I'm finding myself really interested by how, you know, like the server space rental must work because presumably, you know, the 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 natural solution would be to rent a massive amount of server space, you know, for your first two weeks and then work out what your drop-off's likely to be and, and then have a perennial plan in place after that. But then I guess if I was leasing server space, um, I wouldn't want to allow that. I'd just force them to take the higher rates for the whole thing and that would probably be too expensive, so they'd probably get the lower rate and that's why you get the bottleneck. I don't know. I'm just making up Ooh. economics, which is how economics works. <laughs> <laughs> if you know anything about how that that works, <laughs> please email podcast. We're like caveman and fumbling com. with a watch. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I am absolutely certain there is a server engineer listening to this right now. Yeah, please. Every, 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 yeah. Time I, every time I like say something dumb or uninformed about hardware like someone pops up in the discord yeah correctly. similarly the discord is stacked with like demigods of fish knowledge <laughs> ready to just break me across their knee like bane <laughs> we call them into existence one of them's gonna know loads about lego now yeah contrast that then because also i should say i don't think it's a great game anyway the matchmaking is um the big letdown it has much more complex levels uh than maybe you'd you'd expect uh, but some of them are a bit you know kind of hard and it the it doesn't have crime net which was <laughs> <laughs> love logging which, onto crime net. yeah in payday 2 that was how all the crims uh organized their crime was on crime net <laughs> and jobs would come up on crime net and they don't have crime net anymore presumably it was infiltrated by <laughs> by, I don't know, an FBI agent doing the barest amount of work possible um, to just find out that all the criminals use crime now. There was, there was actually a, a live-action, like, Payday 2 tie-in series, um, yes. like, web series, which was, I remember had a couple of police, like, trying to find CrimeNet. <laughs> <laughs> just Google CrimeNet, surely. <laughs> So it doesn't have that. It's, it has random matchmaking, but you're not. You can't like talk to people before you start the level. Like you can't even chat. You can't bring up text chat in the loadout. So you can't like check with anyone about whether they want to go stealth or what. Um, it just makes it difficult to have fun playing with strangers. And then if you did have a good time, too bad because you get kicked back to, you know, level select, mission select. So you can't keep the same team or play with the same people for multiple levels in a row it's not great Ooh. um yeah that's it's yeah. like a comment on transients that is is very, it <laughs> yeah it's very wb8 i appreciate what they're doing <laughs> uh, but the result is the result is that currently uh payday 3 is mostly negative reviews on steam 
Uh, online only was a huge mistake, says one review. Imagine waiting for an hour and ten minutes and still not being able to get into a private game, says one underneath. This game makes me feel the developers made this game just so they could pull off the biggest heist of all time. Oh. Robbing us of an online mode. <laughs> <laughs> now see, that should have been in an email. Like, you would have felt good if you got that. What's the cash value of an online mode in Payday 3? Uh, so yeah, it's not working so well. Uh, what what do we think before we because we've got a follow-up contrast to talk about but what do you think of online only lads it is it's one of those things where it's kind like, of like i'm kind of happy to fight like treat it as invisible when the game works mm. the yeah that, like the, yeah, the exactly the yeah. entire issue is that the second it stops working it's like well oh, this is this whole thing's stupid why are we doing um yeah, so in this case, bad. Also, especially bad because Payday 2 has a very, like, strong um, culture of, like, of like solo... Maybe not, like, not necessarily... Well, sometimes speedrunning, but also, like, solo ultra-difficulty stealth heisting. Um, mm. It's kind of, like, a, a, a fun offshoot of the, the main full, like, four-player, sh- like, shooty-bang-bang stuff. And yeah, it's, it's kind of sad that that isn't really accommodated for in an in a, in a yeah, well, not properly accommodated for without an offline mode. Yeah. I think my... Something I've become aware of... Um, I think actually it was Planet Zoo was the first time I remember really sort of thinking this clearly. Because uh, that launched with Always Online, even when you were doing single player. And I don't know if you remember at the time, Alice, but I wrote about how it had like limited interaction with other players via like an animal mm. trading market. Um, yes, was this the one that got busted and everyone was just flooding the market with inbred boars? Yeah, yeah. So people just had made the worst possible warthog and were just grinding them by the million and able to be able to afford orangutans and stuff. And... That had the unique, like, it, it, you know, I don't remember having problems with the servers or, or, or things like that, but that limited amount of social content, but, you know, underline limited, made it feel very lonely and alien and upsetting. <laughs> like, if it hadn't had that, and they, they subsequently made it so you were just buying animals from, like, Frontier Zoo at an arbitrary price, and that was fine for single player, you know, that... It didn't feel lonely, even though technically there was less human interaction. Uh, I think there's an uncanny valley where, you know, you know, you were saying that, that in, in Payday, people not being able to play with the same team and stuff like that. You know, it, 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 it can be really disjointing when you're given a little bit of sociability with people, but then there's big walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an odd one because, yeah, I think it basically, if it doesn't, if it, it's fine until it, doesn't work like James said and I because I don't play games online very much because I'm a big loser and I fear social interaction it's just, it takes a lot of energy <laughs> it really does it really does um I'm all right just like sitting back and playing without a mic but that makes games like Payday 3 harder anyway but um it's sort of like do you know when I was a kid we had really shit dial-up internet and now and, and I used to have to watch 
YouTube videos by like opening them up and setting them to load and then walking away for like two hours. And now I have like mega fast, hard, bastard, you know, 500 gigabits in your face, you know, dickheads. Internet. And the minute that goes, like, if my phone can't connect to the Wi Fi or like my TV stops being able to load Netflix, I instantly lose my shit. Like, it seems like an affront, doesn't it? Yeah. But similarly, I can remember in 1997, which I think was the first year, we were, my family was online um, and I played Ult- Ultima online, which I think I've talked about before, playing as a blacksmith uh, yeah. with a pair of chaps and a donkey. Um, but man, like, the you know, the, the tension of being online for two hours when you knew what that was costing per minute and you knew yeah. that your nan would be trying to phone. And <laughs> it was just such like an event going on Ultima Online for two hours just to prize some fucking copper out of a wall before getting ganked by wolves. <laughs> fucking magic! <laughs> James, you're quite an onlinesman, aren't you? Quite, yes. Yeah, how... <laughs> How is it? How do you find it? <laughs> I, Alice suddenly I have... being replaced by a baffled Victorian time traveller. Well, well, Tell me more about these I... thinking tellies. <laughs> I don't have the fortitude for it, you know. Uh, I, I, I like it, um, but that I'm kind of like often unreasonably competitive. So... Okay, this is something about yeah, you I wasn't it's really kind aware of, of. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the dark. It's like, you know how mold only grows in like dark, horrible, damp places. <laughs> that the, yeah. the, the mold is like my sense of comp- my sense of competition. And if I, we were and, on... some, and <laughs> right. sometimes, sometimes right. I do. Yeah, sometimes I like to retreat into the darkness and just. Let myself be covered in sweat and mold. <laughs> if we were on the next series of Taskmaster, right, and um, me, you, and Nate got put in a team and had to do a team task that was like fill this bath with as many beans as possible, <laughs> would you be the one that got genuinely upset that we weren't moving beans quick enough and then would get cross at us for not opening the tins, you know? efficiently um, and, I, and i'd needlessly i'd be making a big deal to camera about pretending to train an ant to carry beans <laughs> james and would be stamping you, on his hat i yeah you'd I'd, be upset and you'd like just tread on the ant <laughs> but maybe i don't <laughs> <laughs> but imagine the, the, graham as greg that would be great uh, <laughs> Well, the, fi- uh, uh, the the thing of Taskmaster is it, it exists primarily to entertain the people watching it. The point of going into a competitive shooter, say, is quite frankly to win. So if you're not, <laughs> so if you're not trying to win, then you are literally playing the game incorrectly, and you are wasting my time. If you oh, ain't Nate. first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate! Imagine if. If you were playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds with James, <laughs> imagine trying to get James to do Worm Protocol. Yeah, the prot. Oh, it would be. 
It'd be I've, like a classic fish out of water movie for both of us. I've, admi- I've admitted this before. It's the reason I don't play Apex Legends as much anymore. <laughs> you're, no, you're Danny DeVito and James is, <laughs> James is Arnie. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> I like to think I'm a well-balanced uh, human being outside of video games. No, no it's all, it's all no, right. It's like sorry. Ollie, like, you know, man's got a demon core when it comes to the games. <laughs> so many of Ollie's guys... Yeah. Ollie is our guides editor and he is genuinely very good at games. And a lot of his guides start with like, this is really easy. So, like... Yeah, and uh, he's a really lovely bloke, but he is some kind of Satan with machines. <laughs> It's, he is. it's very it's impressive. He's got exactly the right mindset to write guides as well. It's very good. Um, all right. Well, the contrast with uh, how long have we been doing this? We've been wittering on talking nonsense. Having <laughs> a good hour. old time. <laughs> Roll out the bell. Uh, so, contrast to Payday 3, then. We have Sea of Thieves, which is always online, uh, but is beloved. And I, I guess because it always works. Uh, but Sea of Thieves will introduce PvP free servers. 24-player guilds, and competitive treasure hunts in Season 10, which uh, is music to my ears, because I loved beetling about in Sea of Thieves, but I would always get murked by, like, a huge galleon when I was trying to do, like, little solo smuggling kind of one-person RPG on my (laughs) tiny little boat with my cat, you know. So uh, I'm very happy about that. The it's, only um, Sea of Thieves I've played, I played with you, and I thought it was absolutely charming. Like, the game itself offered me almost zero compulsion, but yeah. the social element was bloody lovely. It was a great environment to be silly in. Um, and so, yeah, that sounds pretty good news to me as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the addition of guilds will in you know reinforce that, which are new. Um, you form a group up to twenty four players, and they're a more kind of meaningful way to sort of party up than the temporary ship crews that you would do before. Which you know you could obviously invite players that you wanted to to your team, but um, you can design you know a custom banner. You can choose your guild name. Uh, if you've reached the level of captain, you can start a guild. It's all lovely. Um, so. That I think all sounds good, but I love you know the the PvP optional uh, servers because I am, as discussed, a, a coward. So, do, do the enemy AI skeletrons and things have ships yet? Uh, I don't believe so, but they have you know the forts and things that you yeah. can attack. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool um, just doing PVE, like yeah, yeah. So that'll be coming in December, which are known as safer seas as opposed to the high seas original experience. Um, but you can sail around without threat of being blasted by random strangers, which I think sounds good to me. Um, and would be like if you're like an adult trying to play with like your child, that'd be nice that you don't get you know immediately ganked by like some <laughs> Spaniards who sailed in out of nowhere. But I will say that see if these players, by and large, seem to be a nice bunch. They're a whimsical uh, bunch, I would say. Yes. I, yeah, I like that. I think there's just something, if you're the sort of person that self-selects to play a, a whimsical pirate adventure rather than Call of Duty, you know, <laughs> then you've, it's just, there's an element of 
as you say, you know, childlike joy. <laughs> Did you do any Sea of Thieves, James? I, I I tried it when it first came out and I just bounced right off it. It's uh, just too dull, I found. Just Especially early clean. on, it was mega empty, wasn't it? Yeah, just the, like, the sailing itself wasn't fun to me. And there was so much sailing. It might be but like between between things to do that that wasn't sailing, essentially. And it, it, it may well be different now, but all there really was to do was, you know, stand and play harmonica or whatever. Yeah, like I said, a lot of my fun in it basically revolved around gurning very close to people's faces while playing the accordion. Yeah, I remember you fishing a lot as well and being delighted oh, yeah. by that. That was good. You loved the fishing. All right, so there's a lack of, of childlike joy in James's heart. We know that now. <laughs> Let's just move forward with that knowledge together. Do we think that no one complains about Always Online in Sea of Thieves then because it just works? And that's basically the, the difference. No one cares about Always Online until it doesn't work. How, well, yeah, it... and I think availability of single player is a huge thing as well because you, you simply... Yeah, there'd be no point in doing Sea of Thieves single player. So I, I, I was I was checking whether Sea of Thieves ever did have like a big server meltdown, like a launch, or whatever, and it Ooh. appears it appears not to have done. They released, because uh, I, I think it was Xbox Wire or some some official affiliated Xbox thing did um, a big deep dive on the making of Sea of Thieves. I believe it was Joe Scrabbles, formerly of. Um, not this parish, but, you know, games journalism, uh, who did, like, a big interview and he had footage of, like, Phil Spencer playing, like, really early prototypes of it and stuff and loving it. And uh, it seemed quite sweet. It's nice that Phil Spencer does actually like games, I guess. <laughs> who's, Phil, who's Phil Spencer? What? what? <laughs> oh, no, have I done it again? <laughs> He's, like, Xbox's, like, gaming head honcho. Um, he is Xbox. He's the man who Mr. stopped us. Well, no, that's not true. I was going to say he's the man that stopped us getting Starfield code. That isn't true at all. That's a joke. <laughs> oh, that's, that's for Phil Spencer, I say, tugging my collar and waggling my eyebrows. Yes. Phil Spencer is... Okay, you know the joke in The Simpsons where uh, Homer goes to work for Hank Scorpio and he says, I was the first wealthy man in America to wear jeans with a sports coat. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That's the Phil Spencer vibe. So he Got always it. wears like jeans, a suit jacket, and then like a t-shirt that has a game logo on it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen him actually. Okay, let's retcon this so I knew who he is. Yeah. Okay, cool. Phil Spencer must like but... games because he wants to buy Nintendo and Capcom and Valve. and all Brackets of... <laughs> and Valve. Close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, I'll link to that as well because that's quite a fun uh, read, especially if you're into Sea of Thieves. And if you are, hit us up. Let us know. You know, has it ever not worked? Or has Sea of Thieves always been a consistent experience? Podcasts at com. Have you ever been disappointed by pirates? <laughs> <laughs> always. Every day of my life. <laughs> we should probably move on then to what we've been playing this week, which I presume doesn't include Sea of Thieves. You would presume correct. 
What have you been playing, James? Uh, I've been playing a bit of Phantom Liberty, the Cyberpunk 2077 expansion. Ah, uh, yes. The and best it's... DLC ever made. Well, I don't know about that, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Does the Statue good. of Liberty uh, like turn into a ghost and start stabbing people? <laughs> that, would, that would make it the best expansion pack ever released. <laughs> yeah, fucking mega. I, I like how it's a bit more dramatic and fast-paced than I found Cyberpunk was originally. Because there's a lot of just waiting in Cyberpunk, I find. Like, waiting mm. for people to finish doing very long dialogues, waiting for them to do, like, dramatic pauses in between dialogues. There's all these, like, little micro-pauses in between, well, lines of dialogue. There are, like, missions which actually have, which say, like, wait two days for, you know, the mission to progress. Yeah. Um, and there's there's still some of that in Phantom Liberty, like, especially the dramatic pauses. Um, Idris Elba does a lot of dramatic pausing. Does uh, um, Keanu Reeves reprise his role as Johnny Five Aces? He does. <laughs> he does. He's still very. He's still very grumpy, which I don't know. Uh, is it's hard for me to see Keanu Reeves being that grumpy. It just doesn't compute. Yeah, that's weird. He's uh, a nice man, isn't he? Nice dude. Yeah, it's not. It's it's good. I like how. I also like how it has the option to just start a new game, like from the point where Phantom Liberty kicks off. Uh, if you do, if you do that, you basically get uh, like a bunch of preset uh, augmentations. Um, I don't think that's an in-game term for them, but you know the stuff that makes you get swords in your hands and yeah, get, like turn invisible and what have you. Um, which is which is which was cool and helpful uh, if you're a, you know a journalist trying to <laughs> trying to test it out, not having played much of the previous of the original game. Honestly, uh, I wish more games would do that. That's pretty cool. Although, because this is this is partly my fault because I didn't like fully check what was installed in my body, but it took me about three <laughs> hours before I realized I could double jump. <laughs> and another eight to realize you had a can of Winnerlock <laughs> for a bollock. <laughs> <laughs> These dogs bollocks. Oh dear! It's funny because it's it's people have given it universal praise. And it makes me want to like boot up the game again, but it's so big. I just like really, I've got stuff to do. I it... wake up every morning and my back aches. <laughs> but you know, I mean, the... must I play Cyberpunk again? Uh, well, Fan- Phantom Liberty, I think, is like quite. It it feels quite not small, but taught i guess i like the 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 new area adds isn't really that big at all if you're driving around it um okay. i don't know i don't know how long the i guess all the quests take because i haven't finished them um uh-huh. but it kind of like it gets it gets going quite quickly and then it opens up quickly it could be like if you don't want to do the whole game again you can just like do a, a new a new person and jump in straight into Phantom Liberty. Oh, that's good. Might, Might do that. Might do that. Think about it. Um, Nate, what have you been playing? Uh, Bucked another couple of dozen hours into Baldy G. Um, oh, yeah. How are you getting on with it? I'm, I'm just rolling into 
we're about to roll into Act 2. Um, so, you know, near the end of Act 1, you can choose to go one of two ways. So I'm just... Yes. Uh, again, you know, going back to my initial comments about, uh, you know, um, making decisions based on factors outside the game. I have been sort of going and doing 90% of one route and then I'm going to go back and do the other so I don't trigger the quest that locks one of them off. Yes. Uh, which yeah. is very cheesy, but I'm having a good time doing it. I like the Underdark. Always love the Underdark. Sorry, that's a spoiler. Uh, I'm not necessarily there. I just like thinking about it. Um, <laughs> what else have I been doing? Uh, I sort of feel like I've been playing Gary's mod because I got fascinated by the Skibbity Toilet phenomenon this week. Are you, are you familiar oh, yeah. with Skibbity yeah, Toilet? Yeah, I like Skibbity Toilet. It's um, as a lot of commentators. <laughs> yeah, I know Skibbity Toilet. <laughs> It's, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this or even the hundredth, but it's just really refreshing to see the absolute shit made in Gary's mods um, is not only still around, but now as big as Hollywood. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, um, oh, I was going to say, I, I can't really recommend it because it's too small, but yeah. Um there's a guy who makes little like comedy songs you've probably seen one of them before but he's done one about playing dungeons and dragons and it's really good oh my god tom yeah yeah oh i love him so much he does the cool little dancing next to his sofa and he can play every instrument in the world and he's done one about playing dungeons and dragons it's really good so i'll link that in the show notes um, his his J.R.R. Tolkien one, can you, you link that one as well? That's my very yes. favourite. Okay, I will. <laughs> Motherfuckers on a magic quest. I have been playing... What have I been playing? I've been playing more Fae Farm, which is like the Stardew Valley thing. I have been playing... I'm trying to think what can I say I've been playing, because I'm playing something for review that I don't think I can talk about. Make yet, something up. Which is, I, I can't make... I'm not... What am I, Nate? <laughs> um, oh... I've been playing uh, Moonstone Island, which is another Stardew-like, but it's a kind of Stardew meets Pokemon. So you have like a little spirit that you battle with other spirits and you heal it and such with things that you grow in your farm. I am not sure if that's a bit much for what you want from a Stardew-like, basically. What, like but we'll see. Growing vegetables to heal a battle ghost. Yeah. That Basically. sounds very weird. <laughs> well, it's just like I like both sides of that equation, but I don't know if they balance because both of them are a bit of work, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've also been playing the demo for a, I'm going to call it a Morrowind like. It's very legally distinct Morrowind. It's called Ardenfall and it's there's a free demo out now. It's a you wake up in a mine and it's all kind of low poly and you go out and nobody gives you quest markers you just get told oh this trade caravan went missing they were supposed to come in through the east gate next to the mage shops and then you just have to go to where that is you know so it's and that makes you feel well clever doing stuff like that it does yeah it's quite difficult i get i've been killed a lot and i don't think all the leveling stuff that they've done is kind of balanced or anything but if you like Morrowind, check out the Ardenfall demo because I think it's quite quite similar. Can um, I just frisbee I... a little question ham under your door before we 
we close sure. the fridge. Um, yeah. Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. I'm finding, I'm still enjoying it just as much, but the sense of stakes has really been diminished for me by Withers. Oh, uh, is yeah. it okay to talk about Withers? I think he comes in early it's enough. It's fine to time. talk about Withers, yeah. Yeah, so he, okay, so he's this sort of like lo-fi Necron who will, you know, resurrect anyone in your party. But there's already there's so many like fail-safes. Like, it's really hard for people to die anyway. And then you've got the revive scrolls that you're just given for free by the game. And yeah, then you've got this undead mate who will heal, like, bring someone back for a comically small amount of money. And it just makes everyone feel extremely immortal in an, in a way that that's fine because, you know, I'm not really playing the game for a challenge, but it, it feels like there's too many layers of redundancy. Does that strike you? I felt that the stakes for me in Baldur's Gate were not to do with characters dying so yeah. much as the um, outcomes of stories and quests being bad in yeah. some way right do you know um i suppose maybe it's a good way of getting you to focus on that if you're not making all your decisions based on what will keep me alive i guess that gives you more room for a bit of whimsy yeah and it's stuff like um there is a later on you you've probably met her there's there's a hag uh, small spoilers, but you'll run into the hag yeah. again, and there's a you know she's kidnapped a child, and you know maybe you won't be able to if you haven't pay, you know if you haven't paid attention or found the right things up to that point, you won't have the option to save the child in a certain way, or you know why it might happen to the child or whatever. It's stuff like that. That was where I felt the Ooh. stakes were. Now that rather is. Than that's a bloody Chateaubriand, that. That's got me worried already. And, yeah, and I think it, people said that the last act was maybe their least favourite. I loved the last act because it uh, that is where you'll, you know, see the escalating sort of choices that you've made crashing into each other. Ooh, that's got to be well excited. All right, nice diversion. So I like Good. it. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's a bad day to wear hard today, but I will give a small shout out to James's article on accessibility and uh, the controllers and different controls that can be manufactured to help everyone access games and why they're not maybe being as man- manufactured as, as well or as cheaply as they could and you know what can be done and what advances might be made in the future. It's a very good article, very Aww. well researched, interviewed a lot of people. Go check it out. We'll link in the show notes. There you go, James. Look at that. Oh, thanks, Alice. Organic no, shout no, out. <laughs> so, Nate, it has been a while since we have entered your Tower of Jocularity. But, What's uh, happened? Well, yeah, we've had a bit of a spring clean in here as well. As you can see, there's more Duplo around the place. Um, oh, no. Quite... Um, quite Quite a lot of large, colourful drapes as well. Uh, that's because this week um, I'm bringing you a challenge uh, from my own daughter. Uh, so it's, it's her tower, technically. Oh, I'm just the, the operator. Okay. Yeah, so as you can imagine in our house, um, we frequently like to discuss hypothetical questions, uh, the sort you're probably familiar with from, from knowing me. Um, and 
the other day, Tally decided uh, to, to spring one on me. Now, she's she's five years old, just um, for, for record. Uh, and I was quite impressed uh, because she asked me unbidden, Dad, would you ever punch a gorilla for a burger? Well. What? At first, I was just very <laughs> proud. Um, but then I got to thinking this, uh, well, yeah, we were talking about it a bit. And she, she said, can you... Because she knows the tower exists. So can you discuss this? Or can you talk about this on the podcast? Um, so that's what I'm doing. I want to bring to you her question. Um, and God, that sounds incredibly artificial. But I basically channeled her into asking me that. So I'm going to be transparent. Uh, let's have a moral examination of what circumstances would cause you to punch a gorilla for a burger. Okay. Because hmm. uh- <laughs> <laughs> I want to give her a definitive answer. How hard do I have to punch it? I oh, said so you you didn't uh, you didn't answer at the time. No, I, I, I said you, you said know, I'll get I'll... back. Is she standing in the corner now, like no, staring, she's, she's staring just... at you expectantly? <laughs> she's at school, blissfully unaware that the, a gorilla's fate is being decided by <laughs> perhaps the three foremost experts in the country. <laughs> but yeah, I did say I'd need to take this away and, and, and you know give it some discussion. And yeah, as, yeah. as I say, she acquiesced to. Uh, to this being public. So um, I think there's three factors in play. Uh, the level of risk to you. Yeah. The level of evil inherent in the gorilla and the level of good represented by the burger. <laughs> but okay. how you balance those things is where your own morality lies. Well, how like how hard do I have to hit the gorilla? Do I have to properly socket one or can I yeah. give it like a little a little love slap? Yeah, no, I think, I think you know, it needs to be recognisable as a punch. If the gorilla okay. was a man, it would say, she punched me. Okay. <laughs> that, that level of assault. <laughs> In fact, the gorilla, the gorilla has a little... T- <laughs> so, like, not... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So not, yeah. not like as in real life I think if I tried to punch someone they would be kind of bemused but they would recognise that they had been punched yeah yeah, it's, it's got to yeah. be like definitive violence yeah okay yeah. but they're not like knocked out <laughs> well I mean you, you know I not like denigrating your strength at all but I don't no. think you could concuss a gorilla unless no, I mean it could be like a baby gorilla but I mean, bit, that's that's steep moral stakes. That's a bit much. I uh, I think right. we I think we work backwards from the burger. I was going to say we need to establish what kind of how, burger this is. How, how good of a burger is it? What if it contains the only sample on the continent of anti venom, and you've just been bitten by a king cobra? And okay, well, then I'm fully this... justified in beating down that gorilla. <laughs> Yeah, there's no like. What do you? This is that's adding an unnecessary justification. But what if the gorilla's like paralyzed, lying on a stone slab with a massive sign above it saying, "Behold the inhumanity of man." <laughs> Are you really gonna punch that gorilla? What am I being live streamed? Like what? Yeah, <laughs> it's on Netflix. 
Okay, to be clear, are you going to explain all these uh, new additions to the quandary to your daughter? Oh, yeah, no, that's true. This needs to be... I think we need to keep it pure. So I'm like... If the burg- Have you seen uh, the menu that yes. movie with with where uh, Ray finds claps and is a chef? My God, it's good. So you know, at the end of the menu, he makes a cheeseburger. Yes, and it makes him happy. Cheeseburger and fries. I'm saying that. I'm saying the menu cheeseburger, right? Yes. Yeah, that's good. Actually, okay. That's the pure. That's the platonic form of a burger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And let's say the okay. gorilla is, um, it throttled another gorilla for a bit. Like, it was unpleasant and, and mean, but it didn't cause them permanent harm. Yeah. And will, so, yeah. I, get, will I get punched back? Because if a gorilla punches me back, I'm probably going to die. Uh, no, there's a perspex wall. Okay. <laughs> and you can wait till it's asleep. <laughs> there's a little hole and suck it <laughs> and it's a, it's a known bad gorilla, but it's also a coward. And you've read a behavioural report, so you know yeah. that if it's if you hit it, or just like hiss and run, so you're fine. Yeah. And I can wait till it's asleep when its back is turned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you'll know yeah. you're causing it less harm than you've just watched it cause another gorilla. Yeah, absolutely. I would punch that gorilla for a burger. <laughs> would anyone? James- would anyone else witness me punching the the gorilla? Um, one. Because there's one, there's one other issue here, which is the reputational damage uh, that would be self that could be self inflicted. Okay, so there's of punching a... the gorilla, like like the woman who who punched the horse. There's a single registrar uh... present, like to make it a matter of government records. Like there's a gorilla punches register. Uh, in the UK, and you'd be the only person on it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, who's going to search that? There is a registrar uh, though, um, and they are the, the thing other is, watching like, If if that came out, you know, you'd get the worst people defending you for punching the gorilla as well. You'd get like <laughs> Andrew Tate doing a video. Elon Musk. Be, if you wanted to live stream a gorilla beating on X, it would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll lend you my belt. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. no, I don't, I don't want to punch the gorilla anymore. <laughs> That's it. Now leave the gorilla alone. <laughs> Fucking Musk is in it. I'm out. Just get up honest. It's fine. Go, go live in peace, gorilla. I'll pray for you. All right, tower dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> What did that have to do with video games, Nate? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's all publicity for my upcoming game, Gorilla Wallop the Three, <laughs> The Moral Horizon. <laughs> you ever see that um, Team Fortress 2 comic? Um which is like one of those old fake sort of men's adventure magazines about Saxton Hale, um, which promised 64 pages of gorilla yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And eight will die on every page. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so there you go. There's the connection. This is all a big Saxton Hale sale. Oh dear. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> that was season two, episode thirty-one of the Electronic Wireless Show. <laughs> They do. Season 2, episode 32 of the Electronic Wireless Show, in which we discussed briefly always online and then mostly punching a gorilla. <laughs> All that is left now is recommendations, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. James, what are you recommending this week? So, uh, backstory. I've lamented for many years how difficult it is to get currywurst in the UK. Mm. Uh, the, the sauce especially, because you can make it at home, but it always has like 200 ingredients, despite essentially yeah. being curry ketchup. Uh, it yeah. turns out, though, I could just get a bottle of Hela Gewurst ketchup off Amazon. Hela uh, Gewurst ketchup is simply a pre-made and delicious currywurst sauce that takes me oh. right back to all the times I've stuck away from work trips in Berlin to go get street food. Absolutely well, delightful. You wouldn't believe this. Last night we made curry verse sauce from scratch. We were having a, a September fest night. And oh really? Yeah, this would have come in really bloody handy. So yeah, great. <laughs> oh, get get a bottle, compare it to your homemade sauce, and uh, let let us know. I'll report back. Yeah. Well, uh, I am going to recommend, with the caveat that I haven't finished it yet, but I think it's very good so far. I'm going to recommend a book called The Turn Glass by Gareth Rubin. It is a, it's called a, a I'm gonna, I, I gotta get it right. It's called a Tetbesh, which is a book that is two books stuck together, top to tail. Whoa. Um, yeah, it used, they used to be a thing. They're not really a thing anymore. Sometimes they would, you know, relate to one another. Sometimes they would be entirely different things. It's, so it's like a Barbenheimer, but with books. Yeah, kind of. Hmm. And in this one, it is a mystery that sort of relates to each other. One is set in the 1880s, and then the other half, and you have to physically turn the book over and start reading it upside down from the other end. And you can read either side first. Um, I've started with the 1880s one. And the other side is a 1960s, and they sort of relate to each other, and they're a little mystery. And uh, it's really good, really fun, really enjoyable oh. and interesting. I so love a book with a structural easy. gimmick. Do you remember Cloud Atlas? That was fun. Yeah. It? Do you remember how awful the Cloud Atlas movie was? <laughs> oh, I do now, actually. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Read. <laughs> don't, yeah. That's my other recommendation is don't watch the Cloud Atlas movie, but do read the Cloud Atlas book. It's very good. Yeah. Um, Nate, what are you recommending? Uh, the Pixar film Elemental, um, which is lovely. Uh, it's really weird. I remember there being a lot of seemingly arbitrary press about like how the last two Pixar movies had massively underperformed and I assumed they were rubbish. Um, I say Pixar, Disney Pixar, you know what I mean. And then there was yeah. Strange Planet, which I thought was good. And then uh, Elemental, which is, yeah, really... I mean, I'm, I'm not like a mega Pixar fan or anything, but I thought it was, you know, if you enjoy anything else they've done, it's up to the same standard. So yeah, if you'd been giving it a miss because you thought it was rubbish, um, yeah, don't, it's lovely. Um, might have just been because like there was a non-binary character and, and a lot of people shout their pants over it but yeah nice film lovely well that is it this week for the electronic wireless show we will see you next week when we'll be talking about something else hopefully not punching gorillas but you never know with us she punching gorillas me. 3 <laughs> um <laughs> no 
you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and I believe TikTok. I'm not sure what we're doing with TikTok, but we're there. You can just search rockpapershotgun.com. As aforementioned, you can email us, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Let us know, would you punch a gorilla for a burger? What sort of burger would it have to be? Would you punch a gorilla for less than a burger? Let us know. Are you a gorilla? Uh, are you eating are you a, a burger? <laughs> When was the last time you ate a burger at all? I miss burgers. I Honestly, I miss them so much. I have not had a beef burger for, I'm going to say about five years now. And I, it, could, I could post you one. Yeah, do. Vacuum back me one. <laughs> uh, uh, you can also join the Discord, which we also mentioned. The link will also be in the show notes. And there's also a link at the top of the website, which you can go to for all of your PC gaming needs, www.rockpapershotgun.com. And for now, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from James Archer. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Goblin Justice. Yeah, let's wear their skins. Fucking hell. What's Goblin Justice in that? I don't know the rules. <laughs>